is a Denver Sports Tonight. Taking a look at the biggest stories in Denver sports. From your online home for the best opinions and information on the Broncos, Nuggets, Avalanche, Rockies, and more. DenverSports.com. And it is Denver Sports Tonight on this Monday night in the Mile High City. He's James Merrillat. I'm Will Peterson. Rolling with you for the next hour on a surprisingly big Broncos News Day for reasons that no one saw coming and reasons the Denver Broncos did not want to be a part of. If you've missed it, Yoma Uwazarike has been suspended at least one year by the NFL for gambling on NFL games in 2022. The league hit him today with that punishment. Uh, I'll get into the statements from the league and the Broncos here in a few minutes, but James Merlatt, uh this is not the story you want the Monday before training camp gets going. No, not by any means. And, and look, it, it's not as though this is somebody that um, we had all penciled in as a starter and that the Broncos were counting on and, oh, my gosh, how are they going to get by uh, without him? But he is a young player that I think a lot of people were curious to see, hey, could he step up? Who was it going to be? Was it going to be him or Matt Henningsen? Or, you know, who was kind of going to take that next step where you get so much better from your first year into your second year? And now that opportunity has been taken away. So it's disappointing. It's disappointing if it happens to anybody. If it happens to the 90th guy on the roster heading into camp, you're sitting there and saying, well, that's less than ideal. That's that's not according to plan. I would say this is probably what, like the 48th, 49th guy on the roster? I mean, he was going to make the team. So it certainly uh, is is a loss. And it's... Uh, it's not what you want the the week that camp is supposed to be starting when you want to be talking about football things and positive things. Instead, it's here we go. They haven't even reported yet, haven't had a practice yet, and the Broncos are already down someone who was most likely going to make the final 53. Here's the statement from the NFL. The NFL confirmed today that Inyoma Uwazarike of the Denver Broncos has been suspended indefinitely for betting on NFL games in the 2022 season. Uwazarike will be eligible to petition for reinstatement no earlier than July 24th. 2024. I mean, James, to me, the key there, not like this dude had a bet on the Nuggets to win the NBA title. He was betting on NFL games last year. That is the biggest no-no in all of sports. And I know these guys get it pounded into their head that they cannot bet on NFL games. And for whatever reason, he thought he could beat the system and he got caught. And it's not a good look for him. And it's not a good look for the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think it would be extremely hip- hypocritical for me to be critical of someone who wants to bet on sports, right? Like, I, I do it. It's legal in this state. Um, so I, I certainly have nothing against it. I enjoy it. When you're a professional athlete or you work for a professional sports team, the rules are different. It, 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 that's just the fact. It's like if you work in, you know, the it, on Wall Street, there's insider trading, right? Like People break the rules, but that's how it's supposed to be. And when you work for a professional team, including being a player, you know that you're not supposed to bet on sports in general. I mean, back in the day when, you know, Broncos would go to Vegas for their bye week or whatever, you would see guys at the tables. You know, they'd play some blackjack or play some roulette or some craps or whatever, some poker. You did not see them in the sports book. That's not where they're supposed to be. It was very frowned upon. Obviously, rules have changed. There's a bunch of states that have legalized sports betting now. It's on your phone. It's very convenient. It's It's, you know... It's more readily available than ever before, but guys have to know that the rules are still there. And if you were the first one that got caught, which was was it Calvin Ridley? Was he the first one that got he, busted for he, it? He was the very first one, uh, yeah, like last spring. I, I would sit there and say, listen, it gets pounded into your head over and over and over again. 
but nobody else had done it. Nobody else had been made an example. So, okay, gee, I can give you a little bit of a break, a little bit. But when you've seen other guys get suspended, and Calvin Ridley got a year, and a bunch of guys just got suspended not that long ago, which probably didn't matter because these bets would have had to have happened, you know, six, seven months ago. It's like you, there's just you have no sympathy for him. Like you know the rules, you see that they they can catch people, that they have ways of tracking it, that you think it's your own personal phone, but they're still working with these sports books to try and make sure none of their uh, their players or personnel are involved with it. Like there's just really no excuse. And you're going to get these people who say, oh, how hypocritical. The NFL takes money from, uh, from, from sports books. It doesn't matter. That doesn't change the rule. The rule isn't there because the NFL hates gambling. The rule is there because the, they have to uphold the integrity of the game. And if players are involved with betting, it starts to chip away at that. And you, can't, you just can't cross that line. So I have absolutely no sympathy for him whatsoever. He knew the rules, and he knew he, he had firsthand examples of what would happen if he broke them. That's on him. Yeah, I'm with you on uh, on everything you said. Like, I'm not going to pretend that that I don't place bets. I mean, it's been well documented on this station. I want to bet that Elias Diaz was going to be the All Star Game MVP, right? So I do it myself. But I think you hit the nail on the head. I'm not a professional athlete, and guess what, man? You won the genetic lottery. You get to play in the NFL. I think it's fair to say, hey, for all of that privilege, you can't gamble. Like, I, I don't think I don't think telling these guys that they can't gamble is is taking away some right from them. No. It's it's one piece of entertainment that guess what? When you're done, when you hang them up, you're allowed to participate. Until then, man, you just got to stay away because you play in these games, and we cannot let anything like you know the Pete Rose saga bleed into our league. Well, and listen, this is a, a a different level, but to some extent it's applicable. I would have really liked to have won the Zach Bryan tickets we were giving away all last week. The concert was last night at Cheyenne Frontier Day, so that would have been great. I'm not eligible to win. Nobody Correct. in my family is eligible to win. Correct. Why? Because I work for the station giving them away, and it would it would reek of impropriety and of it not being on the up and up if somebody associated with the station won it. That's for tickets to a silly concert let alone you're playing in games and you have friends playing in games and you have insider information on what's going on in these games and you're gambling on it and placing bets and who knows how, how large the bets were. Like, it's the same concept. It's the, it's the perception of things not being on the up and up that you can't allow any of that to creep in. You just can't. Here's what the Broncos had to say today. Quote, our organization fully cooperated with this investigation and takes matters pertaining to the integrity of the game very seriously. The Denver Broncos will continue to provide all members of our organization with the necessary education, resources, and support to ensure compliance with the NFL's gambling policy. Broncos are basically saying, hey, we did everything we could. We cooperated. We told this guy not to do this, and he still did it, and they can kind of wash their hands. Uh, I don't blame the Broncos on this at all, James. No. It's, it's totally the individual's fault. Not at all. And we all know people who work for, whether it's the Broncos or other teams, other organizations, right? And I was down there, and it was before um, all of the, the apps and all this stuff was, uh, was even close to being available, and everybody still knew the rules. They all know the rules now. If you know if you know anybody that works for KSE, they all know the rules. Uh, it, it's just it, it's it's so cut and dry. And yeah, they let them know about it. They told them the rules. They make sure everybody knows about it. They warn them. If people are going to break that rule, it is kind of the cardinal sin in sports. And you know, should it be should it be worse than some of the things that guys get shorter suspensions for or no suspensions at all? I, I'm not here to have a, a moral debate about what's a worse crime or a worse sin. I'm just saying if you're the league 
and you're trying to make sure that, again, the games are on the up and up, it is the cardinal sin. There is no bigger – there's no bigger crime, quote-unquote, that a coach, uh, an athlete, a, a front office person could do. There just isn't. Let's talk about this from a football standpoint because, obviously, there's a real football impact to this. Uh, you said 48th, 49th, man. I told DMAC at the end of the drive he's like their 30th best player. So okay. I think we have a little different opinion on that. And I'm not saying he's their 30th, 30th best because – He's some rising star. I mean, he played eight games last year and had 17 tackles. He did have the the blocked field goal in Kansas City where he got the piece of the ball off of Butker's right foot at the buzzer of the first half. But the reason that the the football impact on this is more real than ever, James, is because the depth chart at D-line is maybe the worst on the entire team. Yeah, and he was one of the guys that was going to be counted on to give them depth and potentially to start. So... You know, he would have played most Sundays. I, I say he's in the 40s, though. Like, if he'd have gotten cut this year, would we have been just shocked? Not shocked, but a fourth-round pick going into his second season, that would have been surprising. I mean, it, it's the same reason why people say if Montreal Washington doesn't make the team as a fifth-round pick going into his second season, that would be surprising. Usually those mid-round draft picks, James, get at least two camps in two years on the team. Well, their defensive line, and you're right. So I would have been mildly surprised. I just wouldn't have been shocked. Zach Allen, big free agent signing. I think he's going to be fine on the left side. DJ Jones in the middle, really, really good player. It's one of those positions that, you know, most people aren't sitting there watching the nose tackle play in and play out, but he does a a very good job. That's it in terms of, like, surefire starters. Right now, Matt Henningsen, a rookie last year, who had, like, a flash, uh, is the other starter. Then you're Jonathan Purcell, or sorry, Jonathan Harris, Mike Purcell, who's on non-football injury list. Elijah Garcia, who he, he's a pickup from the Rams. Nobody knows who that is, and a bunch of guys nobody's ever heard of. So, like, he would have been in the top four or five of defensive linemen, maybe even the top three. So, yeah, it would have been a surprise if he didn't make the the roster. We're not going to go through and see if we can get to thirty one guys that are better players than him. He's somewhere in that range. How about that? Is that fair? Yeah, and I wasn't trying to debate you on that. I don't think anyone cares. I'm just pointing out that because of the position he played, James. There was a pretty good chance week one, the first snap against the Raiders, that, uh, I want to get it right, Uwazarike would have been on the field. The very first snap, chasing Jimmy G. And now he's going to be on his couch with a lot of thinking to do for a long time, a year suspension until he can even apply for reinstatement. I guess I'll just ask you this. Does this dude ever play a snap for the Broncos again? Probably. He probably does. We, We probably forget all about it. And we get the news on July 24th of next year. You know, we're a couple days out from camp starting, and the news drops that Uwuzurike has been reinstated. And we're like, oh, yeah. Oh, shoot, I forgot about that guy. Okay. And he'll probably make the roster next year. I mean, he'll be a third-year guy at that point, still a young player. They'll still want to see what they have in him because they did invest a pick in him and, you know, a couple of years of, of development. So he probably will, but, man, just such a... You're going to lose guys anyway, and it's just such a foolish and unnecessary way to lose somebody for an entire season. I mean, they have no depth now. What do they do if Zach Allen gets hurt? Uh, They're in trouble, man. I mean, I'd start working the waiver wire, or not even the waiver wire, the free agency. I mean, Shelby Harris is still a free agent. Akeem Hicks is a free agent. I mean, they now, this news today means they need to get another body in here in the next 72 hours, in my opinion. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's somebody that they were counting on that's not going to be there. And so you do need to replace him. <clears throat> we saw this, and it was for different reasons, obviously. But last year, Tim Patrick went down 
early in camp. I mean, it was early August. You're a month away from the opener, and you don't address that position when you lost a guy that you were counting on to be a big part of what you were doing during the season, and you just assume that some of the young guys are going to step up and, and, and fill those roles. That was a clear miss by George Payton. I think he needs to have learned his lesson and say, hey, i got to bring in somebody. It doesn't have to be a, a, a star by any means. Last year it would have been harder to replace Tim Patrick than it will be to, to find somebody to replace to replace a Rizurike. But uh, it, you got to bring in somebody, right? Yeah, uh, I would think so. How would you feel about the idea of the, the Shelby Harris reunion? Because that one's certainly been floated a lot on I'll the station pass. today. I mean, he's probably a better player. But I just think Shelby Harris falls into the same category as a lot of the guys that they've shown the door because he was a part of the problem. Mm, like sort of, you've it's talked about kind of the losing. Glasgow, Brandon McManus, Draymond Jones, yeah. you know, just kind of a, I mean, just kind of a complainer. Part of right? the losing culture that has been established since yeah. Super Bowl 50. They didn't lose. The, the, I'm not blaming Shelby Harris for the five consecutive losing seasons, six years without missing the playoffs or whatever it is, maybe six and seven now at this point. Um, but I do think there are guys who've been here for the lion's share of that time who certainly become part of that culture. And you got to be a really good player to survive that, i.e. Justin Simmons, right? He's been here for a lot of that. And, but he's the top three safety in the league. He's a really, really good player, borderline great player. Okay, you're going to keep him. Everybody else, if they're marginal and fairly replaceable and kind of a dime a dozen, you'll just go with someone else. You just say, you know what, we can get somebody to be a backup guard that's as good as Graham Glasgow. Let's get rid of the guy that was laughing at Russell Wilson on the bench. We don't need that. I'm looking at the uh, list right now. It's Shelby Harris. It's Michael Brockers. It's Chris Wormley. It's Indomitian Sue. It's Linval Joseph. Those are kind of the ones that catch my attention. Man, I know Adamican Sue's 36 years old, but that would be a fun one, right, James? Yeah, he's kind of at that stage in his career. Wasn't he with the Eagles last year? He played, played in the Super Bowl, didn't he? Yeah, he's kind of at that stage in his career where he feels like the guy that's going to com- totally miss camp. He has no interest in camp. May even miss the beginning of the year, and then he's going to cherry pick, hey, who's a really good team that's got a shot at the Super Bowl? I'm going to jump on them. And so you start seeing the Eagles emerge last year, and they're one of the last teams to lose a game. It's like clearly that they're going to win the East, and they have a really good defense. And he picks that. I don't know that he's. Uh, I don't know that he's looking at Denver and saying, "Hey, at thirty-seven, I want to. I want to go. You know, be a part of that and that that semi rebuild. I don't think it's a rebuild, but if you're and Dominican Sue, you probably look at it and think it is. Who's the youngest guy on that list you just you just read off? Uh, the youngest guy is this Chris Wormley cat. He's 29, was with the Steelers last year. I'm not going to pretend to know about him, a ton about him, although I do know the name. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess just based on the player that they lost, being a second-year guy and a younger guy, I would probably lean that direction, right? Like, Ndamukin Sue's a better player, so I, I don't think you need to go that way and, and upgrade to that extent. I think you just need to be bringing somebody who, you know, maybe just needs a change of scenery, Kind of like when they brought in Brandon Marshall from the Jaguars, right? Like, it wasn't a big splashy move at the time, but it was still a young guy and, and still had room to grow. I don't think you're bringing in somebody that you know what they are and they're, they're a finished product. Yeah, you, you also mentioned something. I mean, those are the names to watch. We'll certainly keep you posted at denversports.com. But you said that you think that, um, gosh, I, I am so bad with this cat's name. Uwazarike. I got my pronunciation bad. Yeah. So if you want to make me feel better, that'd be good. Uh, you think that he will play another snap for the Broncos. DMAC brought up an interesting theory in the 5 o'clock hour of the drive that he says, you know, very few football things in terms of players will get to the desk of Greg Penner because 
that'll be Sean Payton 99% of the time with some help from George Payton. But a guy like this, this cat, Uwazarike, this could get to Greg Penner's desk next summer, whether or not they're willing to give him another chance. Yeah, and and part of it, oh, it, it certainly will. I, I think that's a conversation that involves the owner. I, I I would be shocked if it didn't. I think part of it, too, Will, would, would depend on, well, what did he bet on? Right? Like, if he bet on the Super Bowl, eh, I'm kind of kind of look at that and say, we all do, right? To some extent, if you're filling out a, a the squares thing at the office, you're gambling on the Super Bowl. Um, I, I, that would be different to me than if he was betting on the Broncos-Chiefs game in week 17. Oh, a, if he was betting on games the Broncos played in? That's what I'm saying. Whoa. That's a different deal, right? Yeah, I mean, I hope he had the under, first of all. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but but in all in all seriousness, like, dude, that that's when we start talking about the integrity of the game. Well, yeah, Does he, were the Broncos involved in the game? Or was it a game like, let's say they played the Chiefs in week 17, and then he did he bet on the Chiefs game in week 18 cuz you you pick something up and you you notice that you know Mahomes was hobbling around or whatever 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 you would you would have had some sort of inside information that Joe Blow just placing a, a bet in the last week of the season wouldn't know that to me now it's it's a it's a step closer to being very problematic if you bet on the Broncos and you bet against the Broncos uh, that's that's probably the worst one, right? It goes to Pete Rose, where hey, if Pete Rose was just betting on the Mets and the Pirates, and he was just trying to kill time in July because it's pretty boring while you're sitting on the bench in Cincinnati. It's not right. He knew the rules. He should be punished for it. When he's betting on the Reds games, that's really bad. When he's betting on his team to lose, that's how you're suspended. And thirty some years later, you're not back in the game. Yeah, I was gonna say. I I think this investigation, if he had been worst 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 case scenario, betting on the Broncos to lose football games. That press release today would have been that he is kicked out of the league. Um, I, don't, I don't know that they can. I think it's a one-year, it's an indefinite suspension. You can't come back for, for reinstatement for a year. If he gets reinstated a year from now, we'll know it's something like he bet on the Super Bowl. If he doesn't, it's because the infraction was worse. I think the punishment, you know, these are all uh, you know, bargained for in, in the CBA. I think the punishment is the punchment. I don't think they can come down now with a, with a different one. I just think he'll never get reinstated. All right, well, uh, it's, it's going to be fascinating to follow. We'll see what more details come out, what gets cupped under wraps. Uh, again, not how I expected to spend the first 19 minutes of the show, but that is the news of the day. But the other news, James, was yesterday afternoon, and that was the four roster moves that were made. Do you want to start with the guys on the PUP list or the guys on the NFI list? The PUP is Browning and Hinton. The NFI is Hamler and Purcell. Yeah, let's go, uh, well, which one do you think is more severe? Which one do you think means they're going to miss significant time? Uh, the pup? Probably, but, like, Chase Claypool was on the pup. Did you see that? Yeah. And, like, the Bears already activated him today. So it's one of those things where it's like these lists aren't, oh, we're guaranteeing they're out six weeks. So I, I guess I don't know which one. What's the difference? One is, like, a contract thing it's easier to get out yeah, of than the other. it's non-football related. So it's like, did you get hurt? training for you know to, to play this season or did you get hurt you know water skiing right and like kj hamler got hurt training but he did it away from the facility therefore he gets the nfi list treatment right exactly so i it's in essence they're all kind of the same they're not going to be ready to go first day of camp that's the bottom line the bottom line but out of these four names one sticks out to me by a mile is the most significant of the four baron browning correct yeah i mean he's a he's a starter he's a guy that 
you know, if you were really being optimistic, you'd say, hey, he, he might flirt with 10 sacks this year. Well, if he's out for a significant amount of time, that's another guy the Broncos have to find an immediate replacement for. It's probably Frank Clark. So, okay, they at least have somebody on the roster, but, you know, the rotation gets hit big time if he's not able to not able to go and if he starts missing multiple weeks. Definitely. And the other three, I mean, honestly to me, James, Hamler and Hinton, I'm kind of eh on both of them. I think especially because of today's news, Mike Purcell is the second most significant out of these four names. Yeah, I mean, K.J. Hamler was going to have a tough time anyway because they drafted Marvin Hims to take K.J. Hamler's spot. Kendall Hinton, everybody loves the story. I don't know why. It was a colossal failure, but everybody loves the story of him playing quarterback against the Saints. Um, But, I mean, we saw last year late in the season, he got to play a lot as an every-down wide receiver, and he was fairly pedestrian. I think he was a long shot to make the roster. So I don't know that either of those makes all that much difference. I think KJ is the guy that, hey, if something happens to Mims, he's the most likely speed guy, next speed guy. You're right, Mike Purcell uh, yesterday didn't seem like that big of a deal. It seems like a lot bigger deal now because veteran presence on the defensive line, a guy now that you know you probably would have counted on even, even more, does play more in the middle you know, backing up DJ Jones, but probably was going to make the roster. Probably. And on the other side of the coin, James, you can look at it one of two ways. Okay, these are the four guys that won't be out there, but this means that Javante Williams and Tim Patrick are both back, um, full goes on uh, once we're all out there on Friday watching camp. I mean, listen, man, Javante Williams, he may have just Adrian Peterson. This is one of the most special recoveries in NFL history. Yeah, I mean, he got hurt week four, like October 1st of last year. And didn't just tear his ACL. He tore three different ligaments. It was a bad injury. And he's going to be on the field less than 10 months later playing football, being a full go. That's that's impressive. Now, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed and let's see what he, you know, let's see how he looks. Is it, hey, he's just toughing it out like Cortland Sutton? Or is he out there and he looks like uh, Javante Williams? That will be that will be very curious. Um, that was great news. You're right. I thought that when the news came out yesterday about the NFI and the um, and the pup list. It was more about, hey, who's not on it? Right. That was, those were the big takeaways. I will say this, because Mike Purcell's was non-football related, right? Mm-hmm. His dead money if they cut him, because he's 3.786 against the cap this year, is $286,000. They saved $3.5 million bucks if they cut him in terms of cap savings. If you're looking to go find somebody to add some depth on the at defensive end spot, there's where you can free up some money. I thought he was borderline to make the roster because of that. He was the guy that heading into free agency seemed to make some sense as a potential cap casualty. Well, now you've opened it up to where there's not going to be some sort of injury settlement or injury claim uh, if you want to go that direction. The old surprise veteran cut here on July 24th. James Merillat has put a name on our list to watch Mike Purcell. I was not aware of how much money they could save if they cut Purcell, but you know what? Uh Uwazarike's parlays may have just gave Mike Purcell a job this year in the NFL. (laughs) Maybe. They don't play exactly the same position, but it it improved his chances. Maybe. But like I say, that might have hurt his chances. Because if you're looking at it and saying, okay, well, yeah, we have some cap space, but we need to free up a little bit, that is the number one spot where you look at it and say that's the biggest cap savings with very minimal minimal, uh, cap hit. So it, it might have actually backfired on him in, in, in a weird sort of way. You mentioned Javante. We want to watch him at camp. I think I'm, I'm fascinated by Javante, obviously. Javante needs to be Javante for the Broncos to be good this year. 
but I am fascinated by Tim Patrick because I am so gun-shy after what happened to Cortland Sutton just not even being the same player yeah. that I think, James, my my eyes on Friday, they're going right to 81. I think that's the guy I'm most curious about on the whole roster. Yeah, I'm with you. And this is going to sound like a slight, and I don't mean it to be because Tim Patrick's an unbelievable athlete. Javante Williams is an unbelievable athlete. But the the strength of their game wasn't that they had freakish ability to go win 50-50 balls at a 90-10 clip, right? Like, Cortland Sutton, when he was a Pro Bowl player, he was still learning how to play the position. He was a Pro Bowler because he was just more athletic than everybody that he lined up against for the most part. And that went away, and it was like, oh, my gosh, now he's not the same guy, and he needs to learn to play the position. Tim Patrick already was playing the position that way. A great athlete, I'm not saying that, but, like, kind of more of a skilled receiver and route runner and the nuance of the game and all of that kind of stuff. So I think it's a little bit easier to come back because he's not trying to hit such a lofty perch in terms of uh, where his athletic ability was beforehand. Neither is Javante. Javante's power is the thing that I'm a little bit curious about when you're a power runner. Right. How you coming back with a with an injury like that? We've seen how it affects running and jumping, and I think jumping would be number one on it. Power is something that, you know, Adrian Peterson came back from it, so you know you can come back and cut, but Adrian Peterson wasn't lower, lower his shoulder and run you over. Um, that'll be very curious. So you're right, though. I, I mean, one of the, the boxes to check on Friday is how does 81 look? Does 81 look like he did at the beginning of last year's camp? If he does, that's a big sigh of relief. Definitely, no doubt about it. Coming up on the other side, I've got an idea I want to run by James Merrillat. Plus, we know who's calling the first three games of the season for the Broncos. No Jim Nance or Tony Romo. Announcer pairings are out for the first three games of the Broncos season. James, I'm always fascinated by these because I care. Believe me, I care who's calling my favorite team's football game. But people really seem to care about this stuff. Yeah, no, I care too. It's uh, One, it's kind of a sign of where your team's at, right? It's a little bit of like where they're at in the pecking order. And then there are certain announcers that just kind of get under your skin. It's always been that way. I mean, whether it was Monday Night Football with Howard Cosell and people in Denver were throwing bricks at their TV or Todd Christensen for years got on uh, on the nerves of Broncos fans. I mean, there's always kind of been people, so it uh, it does matter. You're going to spend three hours on a Sunday listening to that person, and are they going to put you in a bad mood or a little bit better mood? Well, and we just lived that movie with the entire Nuggets playoff run. I mean, it felt like every single time, every single night, Twitter was lighting up either Mark Jackson or Jeff Van Gundy for disrespecting the Nuggets. Like it yeah, just, it exactly. just. People care about this stuff. That's why I bring it up. Uh, does it surprise you? I'll just tell you from the jump that they did not get Jim Nance or Tony Romo for any of their first three games, and they didn't get the number two team led by Ian Eagle for any of those first three games. So none of their games, and I get it. It's the Raiders, Commanders, the Dolphins. It's not exactly the Chiefs or the Bills, but none of those first three games even got a top two pairing for the Broncos, who obviously had one of the splashy moves of the offseason, hiring Sean Payton. I mean, it doesn't surprise me from the standpoint of there really isn't a good matchup there. I know Broncos-Raiders is a longtime rivalry dating back to 1960, but both teams were bad last year. Neither team is picked to make the playoffs this year by most people. Same with the with the Washington game. And Bears are week three or Miami's week three? Miami. That's Miami. that. So that, that game, a little surprising. That one will have the number three team, and it's a name fans know and love. He's one of my favorites out there. Kevin Harlan will be on the call for that game, along with Trent Green and Melanie Collins. Okay, so that's a step in the right direction. I actually think that does tell you a little something about, uh, well, both teams involved in that game. Uh, The Dolphins and Broncos are kind of, 
if things break right, they could be playoff teams. They could surprise people. It also is they're two teams that, you know, if they start off poorly and it start the the snowball starts going down the wrong side of the hill, nobody's going to be shocked if either of those teams go six and eleven or seven and ten. So that makes sense. Getting the third crew there, that's a that's a decent sign of respect. Who do they who do they get for the opener? The opener will be Tom McCarthy. James Lofton, Jay Feely, and Tiffany Blackman on the call. Oh, my gosh. James Lofton is he, – he can be a tough listen. Um, he's going to be glad that Awuzarike got suspended. <laughs> <laughs> he would struggle with some of those names. Listen, and I have today, too, so I'm not, uh, I'm not taking shots necessarily, but Lofton's kind of an anti-Bronco guy. He played for the Raiders, so that's probably why I think that. Um, well, and he's on the call for Broncos Raiders. Yeah, okay. Well, there you go. That is going to that is going to come across very one-sided. It's just going to come across that way. I'm just I'm just telling you out of the gate. Uh and then Jay Feely, isn't his son kicking up at CU? Uh, I don't know. I think so. KJ's telling me yes, I have that right. Jay Feely has a fun Bronco connection. Remember the I think it was the first game of the Studisville era when he replaced McDaniels and they got beat down in Arizona like 43 to 13. And at one point, Jay Felix, because they ran like a fake field goal, he had like doubled the amount of points the Broncos had scored all by himself. And CBS, if I remember correctly, showed the score graphic as Jay Feely 14, Broncos 13, which right. was just salt in the wound. That's what so, it was. That's what it was. Yeah. Jay Feely 14, Broncos 13. Uh, and then your guy in uh, week two, who I, I've known you for years and years and years, and for whatever reason, this, it's a Spiro Didi's oh game. Gosh. This guy always comes to your mind. Uh, his partner is uh, Adam Archuleta, a longtime NFL safety. Yeah, I mean that's a, Broncos Commanders. That's a Spiro, that's a classic Spiro Didi's game. It really is. And Spiro's a really good announcer. I mean, geez, he's doing basketball. He did the entire Nuggets Timberwolves series. Yes, he did. Uh, he was on that with Grant Hill, I believe. That sounds right. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's, I don't mean any disrespect when I say that. It's just a way of saying, like, are you getting the sixth or seventh crew, right? And that's kind of what you're getting there. It's a, that's a that's a classic Spiro Didi's game. Uh, they played uh, they played four national TV games last year in the first six weeks. Their first national TV game uh, is until week six this year. That's, That's fantastic. The schedule makers sort of pump the brakes on on the Broncos early. I mean, they still have a fair amount of national TV games, but we're not coming out guns blazing, shoving Broncos down people's throat like we did last year. Well, yeah, and it was a team that just couldn't get their footing a year ago. And wouldn't that wouldn't that have been better if that had been a bunch of games like the Texans game, where yeah, it was ugly and the fans were counting on the play clock, but at least it wasn't on national TV, right? It, it, at least it wasn't. Even the Niners game where they won 11-10, to 10, it was just so ugly. Everybody was watching that debacle in Week 5 against the Colts where they lose 12-9 in overtime. And it's just it, – it, the, 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 the spotlight was just so hot and it made everything in the microscope just even that much more severe appearing. This is much better. Look, Sean Payton knows what he's doing, but that doesn't mean there aren't going to be a few hiccups right out of the gate. Go do that on a Spiro Didi's game. That's a good idea. There you go. They did start one and three, uh, and you mentioned it. The only win eleven ten over the Niners. All right, we got a few more minutes here. So hey, real quick, I got a trivia yeah. question for you. Sure. Uh, Mike Purcell has the if they release him, it's the fourth highest cap savings they could have from anybody on the roster. Mike Purcell. That's not that doesn't bode well for Mike Purcell heading into camp. Okay. Fourth biggest. Name the three guys that are above him. Now, some of them like Russ. If they cut Russ, like. His cap number this year is 22. The dead money's 107, so it's actually negative. So there's a bunch of guys that are negatives. But who who would the, could the Broncos release and have a higher 
cap savings than Mike Purcell? Hmm. It's got to be a player sort of at the end of a contract, right? Kind of-ish, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're all they're all starters. They're all A couple of them are big money guys. I mean, the, the name that came to mind was Justin Simmons. I don't know if that's right, though. He's uh, he's up there. So he's $7.7 million of cap savings. Now, the dead money would be 10.4, so he wouldn't do it. But he has the second most cap savings. Garrett Bowles is 7.8 in cap savings. But he also he has $10 million in dead money. They're not going to do that. Here's one that's interesting, though. Josie Jewell, $4.9 million in cap savings. Stop. Josie Jewell is one of the, he's one of their best defenders, James. They're not cutting Josie Jewell. Two point two in dead money. That's that's not great. But four point nine in cap savings. That's a move you could see if Drew Sanders looks like he's the guy. Absolutely not. Josie Jewell is a tackling machine. He and Alex Singleton are their best duo at inside linebacker since Brandon Marshall and Danny Trevathan. Talk about these guys like they're just perennial Pro Bowlers. I saw the list today that came out of the best inside linebackers in football, and I'm scrolling through, and there's Roquan Smith at number two. And last year, the year before, we're down at camp, and Rachel's going around saying, hey, who would you trade for Roquan Smith? And I said, Javante Williams. Everybody thought it was nuts. It was last year. He's the second-best middle linebacker in football. But everybody here just thinks Josie Jewell is Mike Singletary and Alex Singleton is Zach Thomas. It's just comical to me. Why are you down on the outlaw, bro? He's a fine player, but is he $7.1 million against the cap and you could save almost five? That puts him in a little bit of... You know, kind of quirky territory. That's all I'm saying. I'm not predicting he gets cut, but if he does, because somebody else younger and cheaper can step up, it, don't be shocked. Yeah, but if you want to talk about like Mike Purcell, surprise veteran cut, okay, I'll buy that. I mean, James Josie Jewell is like one of the one of the 25, 30 guys who's an absolute lock to make this roster. Just a zero point zero point zero 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 percent chance they're oh cutting gosh. Josie Jewell. Based on what? Like, you act like he's, again, a perennial pro bowler, and there's no chance he's going to get cut. None. You act zero. like he has the same chance of getting cut as Pat Sertan. Correct. They're, they're both their percentages are 0.00. Oh, that's crazy. I'd say the chances of Josie Jewell getting cut is 10%. No way. No way. Why, why, would you cut, why would you cut like a staple of your defense right in the middle, a leader, a guy who Vance Joseph is familiar with, a dude who makes every single tackle, a guy who I believe, James, uh, intercepted Patrick Mahomes twice last year. Yeah, he did. Yeah, why, what, like, I, I, I'm he's just been confused. He's a, a lot of winning teams, hasn't he? I mean, I mean come on. It, 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 how, many, how many teams in the league would Josie Jewell start for? 28. Oh, gosh. You should be Josie Jewell's agent. Yeah, I think he's a very good player. What, you really sue should, me. You really should be. I think he's a fine player. He's an okay player. He's okay. I think he and Alex Singleton are their best duo since Marshall and Trevathan. Mm, that's not saying a whole heck of a lot. That's saying a ton. Marshall and Trevathan were great, great players on the okay. Super Bowl 50 defense. But you said since those two. If Marshall and Trevathan were, as a combo, were a nine. Let's just say that. They're not, they weren't perfect, but they were pretty darn good. That defense was great, and those two guys were a very underrated part of it. Let's give them a nine. What's the score on a scale of one to ten? You're giving Jewel and Singleton. An eight. <laughs> they're, they're not, I mean, they're not that far behind, man. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, Danny Trevathan was a sideline to sideline player that could hit people, he could cover. I mean that guy was that guy was a that guy was a baller. Brandon Marshall was too. Those two guys were those two guys were borderline great players. These two guys are these guys are pretty good.
Well, you didn't even let me run my fu- my fun idea past you, but oh well, I'll do it. I'll do it some Wait, other time. Real quick. Uh, it's my column tomorrow at denversports.com. I'll just give you the headline. People can go check it out. The lack of buzz around a new Broncos season is a good thing. Oh, it's definitely a good thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, after last year, yeah, be under the radar, right? All right, well, we'll let people go check that out. Coming up next, though, Matt Smith, our guy, he's got an idea he wants to run by me. Where do the Broncos rank in AFC tiers? We'll give you the answer. Denver Sports Station 1043, the band presents Denver Sports Tonight. Final segment of the show. I'm Will Peterson rolling with you for another few minutes here. We got our guy, Matt Smith. You just heard him on the drive today on the line now. Matt, how was the uh, how was the drive home, buddy? The drive home is going well. It's still in progress. It's a trek. Yeah, you're, you're you up in Boulder, right? Finger. Hey, you don't just snap your fingers and hop on your flying broom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, we're uh, glad to have you here to uh, take us to the finish line. And you mentioned an interesting idea to me on your way out the door you have four tiers of AFC teams. I've done this exercise now, too, but I want to hear yours first, sort of the four tiers of Super Bowl contenders all the way to could be picking number one in the draft. Uh, hit us with where you think the Broncos uh, rank in all of that. You want me to get to the Broncos first, or you want to start with the contenders first? Let's do contenders first, because I doubt the Broncos will be in that category. Yeah, no, they're not. Surprising, I know, Will. Yeah, shocker. Right, so let's, let, I, got, I got three teams at the top. I think there are three legitimate Entering training camp, the way I have the AFC tiered, I think there are three legitimate contenders. I think you have Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Buffalo. So you I do put Buffalo in there? I do, yeah. Okay. Because there are some yeah, people think who think that Buffalo's window is cut. The class of the AFC. Okay. And then tier two, I'm guessing, is the Jacksonvilles, Miamis, Baltimores of the world, maybe the Chargers? I it, you, you got three of the four because there's only three. I've okay. got Baltimore. I've got Miami, and I've got the Chargers. I don't have Jacksonville as a Tier 2 yet entering training camp. I think they can get there very easily. In fact, every team that I have in my third tier, I think, can easily make the jump. Give us the third tier. Yeah, but but hold on, Matt. Last time I checked, Jacksonville almost went into Kansas City last year and won a playoff game in the divisional round. Yeah, they're not good enough for for Tier 2. They barely made the playoffs. Right, but they had an unreal comeback against the Chargers, and they play in a craptastic division. They're going to win 12 games getting out of bed because they're going to go 6-0 and in the AFC South. You would think, but it's also the Jacksonville Jaguars. When was the last time, you know, I mean, Nathaniel Hackett taking them to an AFC championship game in what? I mean, 2000, early 2010s? I mean, yeah, it was more I, recent than that because Bortles almost beat. Yeah, was Bortles almost beat Brady. That was a big deal. And last time I checked, Trevor Lawrence is a little better than Blake Bortles. He's the best okay, quarterback okay. in franchise well, history that's after Mark Brunel. Okay. That's just where I, I I've got I, those I, three. I've got those three. Now here's my tier four. Here's my tier three. I think you got Denver. I think you got Pittsburgh. I think you got Cleveland. I think you got Jacksonville and the Jets. Now a lot of people would come out and tell you that the Jets are already tier two, Will, but. I, I think until you prove it to me with the schedule that New York has this year, especially to open up, go look at the Jets schedule. The first eight weeks are a bear. Mm. So I think I think that's my tier three. Okay, so that leaves what? Like the AFC South and the Raiders, basically? Basically, yeah, for all intents and purposes. How do yeah. how do the Broncos get to tier two then, Matt? Because that 
Obviously, it would be playoffs, which I don't think anyone is expecting playoffs. But I don't think anyone in Denver is saying they can't. If if all the planets align, see a scenario where Denver makes the playoffs. Is that as simple as Sean Payton fixing Russell Wilson, or what other layers are there to this? Well, I think it's removing the dysfunction from last year. I think it's improving communication. I think it's not having those easy procedural mistakes that cost them so dearly really will throughout the course of the season, but never more pressing than the ones that they suffered early. I think those will be removed. And you have to remember, Denver was 4-9 and in one-score games last year. Mm. So if you remove a lot of that stuff and you just get back to a solid, competent foundation under Sean Payton, I think there is a path. But I'll give you one little uh, deliverable, a tangible thing that they have to do to move up to Tier 2. I don't think it's possible to have the type of season that would require Denver winning at least 10 games. I think 10 games is a, at bare minimum, a requirement for tier two, but you got to start two and zero. cause will, if you don't start two and zero, weeks five through 10, you got four weeks where you're dealing with Rogers, Mahomes and Allen mm. four times in five games. Yeah, you're right. And the scheduling gods gave them a gift uh, with, with the Raiders and the commanders, both here, both at home, it feels like that year under Fangio where they had to start 3-0 and because they played, like, the Giants, the Jaguars, and someone else bad, and they did. This yeah, feels, the Jets. Yeah, yeah, the Jets. This feels a, a similar way that, yeah, you got to start 2-0. and And then, you know what, if you can go down to Miami and steal one, then we're really talking. But even if you lose, okay, you're still 2-1 and headed into the Bears game. Yeah, because, I mean, you think about it, man. you got two or three weeks you got to deal with the Chiefs before the bye, and you come out of the bye and play Buffalo. So the one thing that would be really easy, if things go off the rails, which, again, I don't foresee that this year, but if they do, Will, things go off the rails. I mean, you could get buried really early, and it'd be a serious problem. And that just would not be fun for Broncos fans because we are ready to play meaningful football in December. Matt, I'll get you out of here on this, about 30 seconds or so. Uh, Big news of the day, and Yoma Uwazarike suspended indefinitely by the NFL, has to sit out at least one year. Um, your thoughts on some pretty darn disappointing news with training camp just four days away. Yeah, it means the Broncos are even more thin at defensive line, and they already were, especially after the news yesterday that Mike Purcell is on the non-football injury list. Now, the length and the severity of his injury, I'll be fascinated to see because, look, you were probably going to have to add another defensive lineman anyway because you don't know who your left end is going to be. Unless Matt Henningsen or, or Jonathan Harris really take a huge step in training camp and prove to Sean Payton and to Vance Joseph that those guys are, are, are capable of being trusted with those responsibilities, I think you may be looking at two veteran acts. I think you probably look at one here early, maybe within the next, I don't know, until maybe before Friday even, Will. And you might look at one when the first round of cuts happens, which is now actually just one day. I think you have like 800 NFL free agents hit the market at the same time. So they better have identified somebody else on another team that they like. But I do believe we'll see two additions if Mike Purcell's injury is significant. Great stuff, Matt. Appreciate you hopping on. That'll do it for KJ, for Matt, for James. I'm Will. It's DST on the fan.